Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. Welcome to The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple, and I'm so glad you have joined us because today I have a particularly special event planned. There's a book out by Blackstone Publishing called Hotel California, and it is a compilation of short stories written by some of the greatest writers living today. Let me tell you who is included. Heather Graham, Andrew Child, John Gilstrap, Reed Farrell Coleman, Don Bruins, Amanda Flower, Jennifer Dornbush, and Rick Blywis. These are some hellaciously talented folks. This particular show is chock full of not only some of the great stories, backstories from these authors, but when you find out how they put their spin on a short story that involves titles from Hotel California, the album by the Eagles, only one of the most popular albums of all time. You're gonna get a kick out of it. But boy, wait till you hear the insights. You know how one of my favorite things is to ask the author's advice at the end of every show? Well, each one of them come to the table with something particularly great. You will want to stay riveted to your seat right to the very end. So without any further ado, the Zoom room is packed full of people for Hotel California. Oh boy, it's going to be a full house. Wow. Look at all these beautiful faces. (laughs) Well, you're clearly not seeing me. All right, who have we got? Hey, Johnny, how are you, buddy? I am well, thanks. Nice to see you again. Good to see you. Rick? Hey, David. Reed, nice to meet you for the first time. Heather, I met met you at uh, Thriller Fest 2019. Good to see you again. Nice to see you. I did see you this past year, but uh, you were so inundated with so many people searching (laughs) for your attention. (laughs) It was a different... uh, Nice thriller fest, but different one. Yeah, it was. Hey, Amanda. Hi, nice to meet you. Good to meet you. Who are we waiting on? Let's see. Andrew, is he coming? Do you know? No, I know Don Bruns is coming for sure. Yes. Well, that's his name. Well, I mean, if if he's got to. <laughs> not, not, like he, not like he had anything to do with this. I mean. <laughs> Jennifer? Hello. Hello. Are you? You must be out in wine country. I'm in the vineyard today. I feel like I should have a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> is it too early? Oh no, this is vodka. Are you kidding me? How you doing? Right. <laughs> Don, good morning or afternoon, good wherever morning. you are. Yes. Your day is just starting. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, my day started at 4 30 so I could get in the very last of this gorgeous little book. Great. Great. <laughs> You know, when you're reading this many books, you gotta you gotta squeeze it in wherever you can. And I happen to be just an early riser from the old radio days, so 
Oh. 4.30 is early. Speaking of radio, you played records. Did you oh, see no. the hardcover? Listen, you're you're stealing my thunder, dude. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we're not on yet. <laughs> stealing my proverbial thunder. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you a quick story. By the way, uh, welcome to the Thriller Zone. Let's just get rolling, huh? How about it? Yep. Thank you. Cool. Rick knows me uh, from a little ways back, and I... I hate I hate to admit this, except I like to admit it. I know one thing about Blackstone. They they don't they don't cut any corners anywhere. So I'm doing a little photo shoot in my uh, audio booth here behind me one day to start talking about this. And I'm like and I'm just, you know, photographing it like it is. And I'm like, wait a minute. If this is Blackstone, I bet you. And I did this and I went, holy shit, look at that. (laughs) Yet I almost wanted to lay it down and put my stylus on it to see if I could get any music out of it. <laughs> I tried it. It doesn't work. <laughs> God dang it. It's gorgeous. <sighs> yeah. Uh, not to steal your stealing my thunder, but I thought, you know, why not share that? <laughs> All right. Well, there, we only have an hour and I got eight stories and, um, I thought I'd do this. I'm going to uh, make a little <clears throat> attempt at order. If any of you guys ever watch this show, you know I kind of I do a little free form. Uh, John and Rick have been on the show, so they know. I can't wait to get each of the others of you on your show, on the show solo, you know. Awesome. And Jennifer, I'm expecting you to show up with a glass of wine. <clears throat> <laughs> All right. Let's do this uh, for those who, and I know we're Rick. How how long? How far are we into the launch? Uh, it came out on July twelfth, if I'm not mistaken. So it's okay. Better. So how about this, Don? Since this is kind of your puppy, uh, you're leading the crew on this. How about for those not familiar, Don? You just give us a nice little tee up. It's a great story, and nobody better to tell it than you. I got asked uh, about two years ago to do a, a short story for a Jimmy Buffett uh, book. Similar. They they wanted uh, one song from every Buffett album. And I uh, got uh, saddled with Cheeseburger in Paradise, which I had a ball with. You know, we, have, we can't write about the song, but we use the title. And uh, when I called Julie Gwynn, who's uh, my agent, two of the other uh, people here, uh, Julie said, I wish we'd thought of that. And I said, you know, they can't copyright the idea. So we said, let's do Hotel California, which is one of the top three al- or albums of all times. And uh, Julie said, who are you going to get to do this? And I said, well, give me a week and I'll, I'll round up some authors. Well, the point is that Hotel California is kind of cool because the authors that I meet are usually <laughs> in hotel bars. That's where you meet them at conferences and you get to know them and you only see them two or three times a year, but you catch up and you become good friends. So I called my bar friends, Heather Graham. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Heather's been known to, to toast, you know, and uh, we got Andrew Child because I knew brother Lee uh, and it was on and on and, and uh, Reed Coleman. And it just became a snowball thing. Nobody said no. And so I called Julie five days later and I said, here's the authors. And she said, oh, my God. She said, I've got a couple that can fill in where, where, you know, we still have the blanks. And so she did. And in a nutshell, uh, it came together beautifully. And we were dealing with 
truly professional writers who hit the mark as far as the stories, as far as the deadlines. I was worried about being the employer and having to pull eight people together and make this happen. And they made it so easy. And Rick and Blackstone were so good. Julie had it sold within a week uh, to Blackstone and uh, they've agreed to do two more. Oh, nice. Golf clap. Beautiful. Now, uh, let me see. Uh, by the way, welcome, Andrew Child. Good to see you. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's see. Uh, I heard rumors. Where did I hear this? Probably on Rick's social media. What the next two books are. Are you talking about it yet? We're going to be spend plenty of time on Hotel California, so don't worry about that. We've already turned in the stories for Thriller for next year. Oh, and we have three. Well, we've got all the authors lined up for ACDC back in black. Andrew is excited. He's seen ACDC seven times in his life. <laughs> and he was the first one I called and he said, I'll do it if I can do You Shook Me All Night Long. And I said, you got it, pal. So. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you believe it, but there was a time when I actually had some hair. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so, yeah, seeing ACDC numerous times. Yeah, that was that was that, that, that was fantastic. So when when Don suggested it, I absolutely couldn't say no. Yeah, no doubt. Now, it's funny, Don, because Thriller, Michael Jackson, Thriller Zone, I, I didn't get an invite. I'm hmm, maybe it's in the mail somewhere. I just. <laughs> <laughs> The next one. The next okay. one. You'll All be right, fair enough. To, to write for. All right. Uh, I w I'm going to kind of move around the room so that I don't, uh, you know, exclude anyone. But Don and or anyone else can answer this. I do want to know, just as a curiosity, were there rules or guidelines for each person when it came time to craft their stories outside of the fact that pick a favorite title of the album? Well, I'll take this. Okay. Uh, one of one of the things that I loved about uh, Don's rules were there didn't seem to be any rules. Um, you know, I was, I was, I've done several of these. I did a Lou Reed tribute book and I wrote a story for that. And I was asked for a Billy Joel story. And I said, is it okay to hate Billy Joel and do the story? And they said, well, you're out. You're out. So, <laughs> They're, they're, and on, I live on Long Island and hating Billy Joel, uh, people throw stones at my house. So, uh, so uh, one of the things I loved about Don was he gave, at least uh, as far as I know, he sort of said, here's the word limit, go. And that to a bunch of writers like us, it's magic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, that that's a great tee up for me because I want to know how someone would compare and enjoy writing shorts versus long form. So let's go with, let's go with, a, uh, let's go with Heather. Cause Heather, I know you just got a, a ginormous body of work. Do you, <laughs> do you, you. have a preference? I, of... I had so many children. I had to keep working. <laughs> Very expensive. Um, <clears throat> I love short stories. I mean, I love what I do to begin with, but something like this takes you out of the zone that you're usually in. And uh, like Reed was saying, if, if there were rules on this one, they went into my spam. So we could kind of do whatever we wanted. And uh, when Don came to me with Hotel California, we um, I'm an, an old theater major and we do theater shows at a lot of the conferences. And all I could think of is, I know a lot of you all know F. Paul Wilson, is he's saying Hotel California for one of our shows. 
And the minute you said it, I was in love with the concept. And all I could think of was Paul. <laughs> so <laughs> it was uh, the, the whole idea was for me just completely fun. And again, I do love it because not that I don't love what I do, but it takes you out of that for a little bit. It, it refreshes your thinking and it kind of, the, the title gives you something that you're working with, but then again, there are no rules. So it's, it's a challenge and it's fun. Your host, David Temple here. Hey, before we get back to the show, I thought I would throw in this one quick note. I have had authors approach me who want to actually advertise on the show. And I'm like, that's cool. I love that idea. I mean, think about it. We feature the best thriller writers in the world. You're one of the new up-and-coming thriller writers in the world to be. And you have a book coming out. Our rates are super reasonable. <laughs> We're easy to work with, as you know. And we all want to work together to make success for all of us. Just reach out to us here at The Thriller Zone at thethrillerzone at gmail.com. Let's talk rates. Let's talk details. Let's do something together in the new year. I think you'll like it. Now, back to the show. Heather did Pretty Maids All in a Row. And she took a New Orleans cemetery as the scene and it just, it's wonderful. You know, these, these women, all dolls that are human beings and uh, pretty maids all in a row is perfect for her. Uh, Amanda, I want to ask you the same question. How, how, do, how did you find that experience in short versus long? Yeah. When I was first asked, I, at first I was just surprised because I'm known for cozies and <laughs> I, I seem like the, uh, an odd fit, but I was happy to do it. I'm definitely more comfortable writing long because I've written so many novels and that so it was nice to really challenge myself for something and write something quick and with a punch instead of you know a long story and I write series so like some things go on for five six years for a character so like I just had to get in and out and um I really enjoyed it and I I think it kind of revitalized my novel writing too because it made me think about, you know, getting to the point a little bit quicker. <laughs> Jennifer, you're nodding. You have a, a similar experience, perhaps? Yeah, this was because I started writing screenplays before I did novels. And that's a very truncated form of writing. And then this falls somewhere in the middle. So I loved it. I loved the process. I like, it was fun to like, uh, for me having switched to novels, like, wow, these take a long time to write, man. <laughs> I love it now. But, and so doing a short story, it was like, yeah, kind of like what Amanda saying it was kind of a quick in and out, a really good writing exercise and an amazing first foray with all these incredible writers to be a part of. Yeah. You know, one of the great things about having my front row seat to uh, all the thriller writers in the world is that I'm discovering a lot of guys, <clears throat> especially in the South, which is where I'm from, doing these novella breakouts. And, uh, and there's a good many short compilations as well. And so I'm wondering, and this is an open question, do you think there's an ideal length of a particular book? And I'm talking about besides the obvious answer of however long it takes to tell a good story. Anybody? Well, I think that's the answer. <clears throat> the cliche is the answer, right? The, the depends on the number of plot lines and and such. What I enjoyed about participating in uh, Hotel California is, yes, it's a short story, but it's a long form short story. It was a seven, eight thousand words. I forget which, in my experience in writing, 
in in this genre in short stories, they tend to be a lot shorter than that. And I enjoyed sort of taking a, a, a novelistic approach to wasted time, which is the story I had. But I think whether it's a novella or a novel, or it depends on how big a story do you want to tell. And with, with a short story, as with in a novella to me is just is a longer short story. It's much more focused when it's it's a it's a shorter length, and I I think readers like that. It's um, it's it's just a different reading experience. Uh, anyone else? Uh, I have a great pornographic answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> And it is anticipation part of it. David, we talked before about this, but you know, and you know as well as anyone that that the novel, the middle part, the sag, you know, is so hard to overcome and get to point B and point A and point B. And and the short, you start off big and you finish big, and there's no real middle, which is which is kind of nice. I think uh, that does give us an opportunity to to look at storytelling in a different. A different way. We don't have to support a lot of the stuff in the middle. We can limited characters, bang and bang, and that's that's the way it goes. Bang and bang. Hey, Andrew, I got a question for you. Um, especially you and your brother are, are well known for these pretty hefty size books. What was your favorite part of this more truncated storytelling? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, I, I love listening to everyone else's answers because, you know, they always say if you've got 10, 10 novelists in a room, you're going to get 11 answers to a question. And, um, you know, I'm hearing everybody, you know, it's great to hear that because I actually find writing short stories really difficult. I actually find it harder than writing a novel. And to me, it's kind of like imagining a chef, you know, who, you know, who instead of getting to have a sort of 14 course tasting banquet, they have to get all of that same complexity, all of that same subtlety, but have it all crammed into one appetizer. And so I find it really difficult. Um, you know, I, I, it's it's one of those contradictions. When I'm writing a novel, I'm always worried about, is it going to be long enough? So I was desperately trying to think of a good answer to your previous question. You know, how long should it be? All I really know when I'm, I'm writing a novel is I'm worried that it's not going to be long enough. So doing the short story, it was the opposite way around. It was really hard to make it short enough. So, um, you know, I, I, I like it for really the same, same things that other people were saying. It's an escape from what you're doing all the time, which enables you to do things differently. It enables you to try things out that you you wouldn't necessarily do otherwise. And um, it frees you from some of those shackles. And it means that um, um, you you kind of challenge yourself in a different way. And I I always feel that um, you you do your best writing when when you're challenged, when you've painted yourself into that corner, you know, there's always that that sort of temptation to cheat, you know, when you're writing a novel and you can make it as long as you want, you've got that temptation, you can go back, you can cheat, you can hide the knife under the cushion, you know, for somebody to find later. But if you don't take the easy way out, if you force yourself to work your way out of that corner, you've painted your way into that's when you do your best stuff and it tends to it seemed to me like that was applying to writing the short story because the very fact that it was difficult made you work on it that much harder and hopefully made made the result that that much better so I did despite myself really enjoy doing it but it was it was not easy work it was difficult work I had a exactly opposite uh experience because the majority of my writing 
before I started writing novels was writing newspaper and magazine articles and columns. And almost by definition, they're kind of short stories because they're limited space and you have to tell the story from beginning to end. I wrote songs, a lot of them were story songs, same thing. You got to pack a story into a short song. So it, to me, it kind of like was, it's harder for me to write a novel than a short story is I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's funny, uh, just to put it into my plate for a second, I was uh, writing a commercial yesterday for a new <clears throat> new sponsor of the show. We were we were talked about this, the spot needs to be between 60 and 90 seconds. And I crafted this whole great story and I looked at the time on, I'm like, well, Jesus, that's two and a half minutes. And all of a sudden I'm trimming it down. Like, how can I get the real essence of the story? And that's one of the great things about short form is that you you really decide is that word really necessary you kind of said it here and what if i took this out and what if i just truncated this whole idea and theme and and i know this is much different than the exercise that you guys have gone through but it is a great reminder of how sometimes we lean back into that oh i've got like 95 to 100,000 words i can just do whatever i want the other um, thing is david that the uh, writing advertising copy, which I did for 35 years, and you just said you're doing, uh, is a great training for fiction writing. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's been said that all writing is rewriting. So that, in fact, uh, short stories are a good exercise for for uh, novel writing because it, it teaches you how to be lean. Um, also, short short story writing I always feel I'm a better writer after every short story I've written. And what I loved about this was I had the opportunity to work in a genre that I don't usually work in. I don't usually do uh, science fiction or fantasy or horror. And I got the opportunity to do that. I, how well I did it, apparently it's arguable, but at least I got to try it. Also, I think for those of us who write long, long running series, there's there's a voice to the the grave novels that I've, I've been writing, and it's it's not repetitive. The stories still have to be developed, but you, it's you tell a story a certain way because it's it's that's how the story comes out. I found I find that in writing short stories, I can use an entirely different voice. I can write in this case in the in the first person instead of the third person. You can get a little creepier. Um, you can just kind of exercise different stories storytelling skills in a short than in, in a novel. That's, that's what I find exciting about it too. John, I'm curious. The last time we talked, you were moving into a new home that you were building. Is this the new home? I'm just curious. This is it. This is my oh, office. Sweet. Nice. Uh, congratulations. Um, uh, I've got a loaded question. So, uh, but I'm kind of good for that. Um, and I'm assuming that everyone has read the entire book and everyone else's stories. Who's going to be the first person to step up and go tell me their favorite story that may oh, not no. be their own. <laughs> no. Oh, my favorite story. <laughs> Anyone but Brunzes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Reed. It's like a box of chocolates, like, you know, Forrest Gump. Everyone is tastes different. It's they're yeah. all so delicious. Yeah. yeah. And there wasn't one of those stinking awful cherry things in it anywhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the one that always gets left to the end that no one wants. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that you always pawned off to your brother or sister. No, really, you you take it. I, I've already had enough. They were all dark chocolate caramel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, with some delicious nuts thrown into it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. A little salt on top. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> this is funny. I'm actually at Hard Rock right now, and they have objects that belong to the Eagles. And I was thinking, oh, I should really go and stand by something that had belonged to the Eagles. Um, but then the slot machines are so loud. <laughs> hey, Rick, the, this may be a slightly tangential uh, question, but uh, I was preparing for the show. I wanted so badly, especially having been in radio for 25 years, I, I so want to drop the needle on Hotel California. And you can't do that these days without all kinds of permission. So I wanted to open the show with the theme song, but right, you can't do that, can you, Rick? At all. Actually, you might be able to do anything you want. As the publisher, I can't, but you as a video caster, you could probably do whatever you want. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, okay. Thanks. That was really helpful. Um, <laughs> all right. Listen, here's a question. Given each of you have had a pretty handsome, illustrious careers, what's something, and this is slightly off the beaten path, which is where I like to spend most of my life. Uh, what's something that you haven't done yet um, that you look forward to doing? Winning. The I would like to try acting, <laughs> actually. You've been up for the Edgar Award several times. Yes, I've lost it four times. So, yes, I'd like to try winning it once. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we got winning and Edgar. Bill Strap we would be a good actor. I, yeah, you, I have been around him, and he most of his life, he's acting. You know, it's hard to pin down the real John Gilstrap. Bruns wants to be a musician. He's never tried that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh. Thank you. You're just, you're just zinging away. Wow. Wow. So so all those Instagram photos and Twitter photos with him and his guitar out on the beach, that, that's just play that's, acting, isn't it? Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm like Gilstrap. I'm acting. <clears throat> no. No, I made a living as a musician. For, you know, I, I would like to. I would like to do a TV show. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to do a, a TV series. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As uh, you mean more like a, a streaming a drama, or do you mean more like a variety show? No, no. I would do. I I have a couple ideas that would be. Yeah, would be a streaming. You know. Okay. A la Blue Bloods, possibly something in that. that oh, uh, nice, Amanda. How about you? I think I want to be able to say someday that I have a hundred books published. So I'm working my way towards that. <laughs> I'm at 43. So wow. that's pretty good. <laughs> How cheesy would this be? Who's got the most? Oh, Heather. Heather. <laughs> Heather's got 843 at last count. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I know that my husband exaggerates anytime he tells anybody, um, but it, it is between novellas and books. It's close to 200, but I got really lucky. Um, I did get to act and I acted. I love dinner theater. I still do. That's why we do it. But <clears throat> the children were way, way too expensive for what I could make in Florida. Florida was a non-equity state. I, at the time, I, I really couldn't afford to work. Um, and that's, I'm very, very grateful. That's how I wound up writing, but I was also very young. So I've had, um, not to say I'm, you know, yeah, well, I'm pretty old. <laughs> so <laughs> I've had, a, I've had a lot of time and given enough time, you're probably going to get right where you want to be. Yeah. Oh, nicely put. Andrew, if you weren't writing books, what would you be doing? 
Well, you know what I'd love to do? Um, I love making things. I like I love making physical things, you know, and that's something that's so different to what we do when we're when we're writing, because it's just you and the screen. And, you know, the most you can hope for is that you have a few extra words by the end of the day. Some days it goes the other way and you have fewer words, which is a disaster. So I wanted to, I love making things. I mean, honestly, I even I'm one of the probably I'm one of the very few weird people that actually enjoys putting together IKEA flat pack furniture, <laughs> things like that. I just love making things. So if I could, I would like to be a sculptor and I would like to make things out of metal. Preferably, you know, those kind of things where you buy a whole bunch of old junk, you know, pieces of engine parts, you know, scrap metal, and you find a way of of fixing them together so that they they look like something recognizable that would be me i'd be locked away in some old garage somewhere with a oxyacetylene torch and hopefully not you know say either myself or the building on fire and uh, you know wind up making making cool looking sculptures that's awesome Andrew, if you could actually put IKEA together, we're all going to have to move to Montana. Wow, awesome. <laughs> I absolutely love it. It's like therapy for me. Uh, yeah. Do you keep the extra screws because you know the next one you order is going to have too few? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Plus, you know, I'm I'm one of those I'm I'm horrible because you know I'll look at the screws they provide and I'll think, nah, these are too weedy. I'm gonna use, you know, I have a big stash of my own my own hardware that I always bring in. So, you know, no, it's just peculiar. It's like a 3D jigsaw puzzle. I love I love putting yeah. it together. Yeah. One of the things I love, I, I'm with you, Andrew. One of the things I love about uh, fixing anything or painting, which I just do, uh, is that there's no judgment for me. Like when you're when you're doing a podcast, you know, you you have to perform. You got to make sure you did your homework and read the material and ask good questions, and you look good, and the equipment works. And then if you're writing a book, all the words have to come together. But when you're I mean, sometimes I get the biggest pleasure out of mowing the friggin' lawn just because I'm like, I just do this and I do that. There's no judgment. <laughs> yeah, anything where you can see a difference at the end of it, I like. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, let's interrupt for a second, but yeah, Reed yeah. has not. Reed has not spoken. At, Reed told me not too long ago that he had dreams of delivering home heating oil in a truck well, that's actually <laughs> that's actually i drove a truck for seven years so let me you can always go back to that if, if this you thing have a fantasy work. about driving a truck let me disabuse you of this fantasy yes you mean it's not as romantic as we all think it is well, you know it's hysterical as people used to say do women when you come to the door do women ever you know put throw themselves at you i said what are you nuts i smell like petroleum products <laughs> um, filthy and no nobody yeah. throws themselves at me yeah that, that, that was the problem Reed. it was the petroleum yeah yeah well, yeah it wasn't the ball of being old it had nothing to do with that <laughs> all right let's let's dig a little bit deeper into hotel california since there are eight stories and again we only have now a half hour Let's see if we can share a synopsis or a log line or a theme of each chapter. And let's say for the sake of simplicity, I'm going to do the uh, I'm going to go with the table of contents and just go in that order. So everybody kind of knows where they are. And um, so that starts with Andrew. So new kid in town. Great song uh, is our start. If you want to just give me Andrew without without spoiling it, of course, if you just kind of do your little synopsis, of it, that'd be great. I would love to. Thank you. But before I do that, one little 
creepy sort of factoid, if you don't mind. Um, we we did Blackstone was amazing, and they they came up one one of the things they came up with was an edition where all of us signed a page to be inserted in the final book. You know, signed for our story. So I sat down to sign mine, and um, you know I like to listen to music when I'm doing stuff like that. <clears throat> so I pull out my iPhone, and it's got about five and a half thousand songs on it. So I hit random, set it down, pulled out the pen. And the first song out of the five and a half thousand that came on was New Kid in Town, which freaked me out. I was going to say that in a different way, but I don't know if this is a family show or not. But uh, it, <laughs> it certainly freaked me out. But my, my story, and this is, you know, Don, this is Don's, Don's suggestion. He, he su- suggested that I do this one because it, it, it was great for me because it was right when we were doing the transition with my brother and, and me coming on board to, to work with him on, on Reacher. So I kind of was was the new kid in that respect and I love the idea of the dynamic that changes when a new person arrives somewhere so I imagined a, a very sleepy little town um, in the sort of way down in Texas where nobody really goes unless you've got no way of getting out or you've got no you want to be somewhere where no one's going to find you and no one's going to see what you're doing. So I imagine somebody being there so that they could get up to all kinds of nefarious things without anybody being too nosy or too suspicious. But then um, a stranger arrives in town right when this person's getting in trouble and this guy thinks that he could perhaps just blame all of his bad luck on this this new arrival. Um, Only it turns out that the new arrival is Jack Reacher. So his plans don't quite work the way he expected. It was such a strong story and it, and it just screamed Jack. So I, I loved it. Well, thank you. Yeah. Don, uh, let's see. This began with you. So why don't we talk about life in the fast lane? Yeah. I mean, it, it just wrote itself. I mean, it, it's a dirt track uh, driver in a little town in Georgia. The only entertainment in the town is the dirt track. And this guy's the hero. And it turns out that he's a bad guy and this hitman is sent to rub him out and uh, he finds out this guy isn't as bad as everybody thought he was. And he's got to make a decision whether to, to honor the contract and kill this guy or uh, find another way. So, but it was fun because I like Andrew, you know, you, you find a town, you find a place you make up in your head. Most of my books, uh, 18 novels have been set in a Caribbean island or someplace that's recognizable. And if you read it, you say, oh, yeah, I've been there. I know that this is a town I totally made up. And uh, it was fun. It was dusty. It was dirty. It was uh, a Friday night racetrack where, you know, these wannabe uh, heroes and cowboys are driving around. And it's, it was just a lot of fun to be there. Having been in NASCAR world, uh, I, I felt very uh, close to it. Hey, John. How about uh, wasted time? My whole writing life has been involved with writing political thrillers or or thrillers that deal with with politics. And in wasted time, we've got Tony Tony, um, Bain, who is the the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, who he's a power wielder and he's very proud of the power he wields. And he receives a surprise visit from his 'er ne'er-do-well brother, who's been released from prison uh, way too early. And uh, he he shares an old family secret. Back when Tony was a young man in private school, um, they they did something really bad together. And the the secret, it's a a buried body, 
um, is about to be uncovered. And unless they recover the body, then it's all over for Tony Bain. And so you've, you've got the career criminal getting together with the career politician uh, and, and they uncover the secret. They go to uncover the secret. This is weird. This, this story is actually based on, on a recurring nightmare where I have, um, it's actually with my mother. I mean, there's no paging Dr. Freud. Um, <laughs> where, where my mother and I, she long deceased. Uh, my mother and I have to dig up the basement in the house where I grew up because we together buried a body there. And that it's, this is not a confession. It's just a nightmare, but it was, I, I thought, wow, that it, then it, and the story occurred to me and, and I, and I wrote it. it, it's, it was a lot of fun to do. And I have not had the nightmare since. So many lines there. I'm just going to leave them all alone. <laughs> Read <laughs> victim of love. Well, uh, I thought John was going to do wasted time was going to be about my career. But uh, he, he obviously went in the Freudian direction. Um, well, victim of love is so suggestive and it's so obvious the ways you could take it that, of course, being the obstinate prick that I am, I took it in a very different direction. Um, you know, I thought about a character who was much like the mass shooters that we've been dealt with. You know, the guy, the lonely white guy who's felt very put upon that somehow women, you know, uh, reject and feels that he he's owed a debt by the world. So I took that concept and the idea of, you know, I purposely avoided in my novels writing about the pandemic. So I thought, you know what, let me write a, a little bit about the pandemic in a, in a way that most people wouldn't think about the pandemic. So let's just say something we all did during the pandemic that became second nature to us had a very different outcome with, with this particular character. Hmm. Was it eating too much or drinking too much? Was everyone else in that? Uh... <laughs> very nicely done. Heather, pretty maids all in a row. I, I would say it was about the same as, as soon as I knew the title. Um, I love New Orleans, and I think it has the most atmospheric cemeteries to be found anywhere, Cities of the Dead. And uh, I think as soon as I was had talked to Don, I just pictured all these bodies laid out in, the, in, a, in a New Orleans cemetery. And then, of course, you have to uh, find out where they are. And, of course, it leads for some you know humor, too, because... Oh my God, I found bodies. Well, of course you did. It's a cemetery. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, 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 you know, bodies that aren't supposed to be there. And then I think the um uh you know, just the the concept. Um, I think I'm like a, <laughs> a lot of us here, and I watch a lot of the <clears throat> CSI, the FBI, the criminal minds, and I watch all the documentaries too. And uh this uh a little bit based on one of the documentaries I saw. And then again, like I said, I just love New Orleans. There's nowhere in New Orleans where you can't feel a little bit of a spooky atmosphere kind of sensation. So it was like, again, you know, like as soon as Don said it, I knew my basic concept of what I was doing and um, loved getting to do it. 
Isn't that amazing how uh, an idea will come so quickly uh, on some things and then it could take forever on another. So that's really an awesome talent to be able to tap into that, Heather. Well, no, but well, I mean, you can also get the idea and then it's like, wow, what a great idea. What the hell am I going to do? <laughs> you know, that can happen too. So Sure, sure. Uh, Amanda, try and love again. Yeah, so I think like most of the people here, I started with the setting. I knew that I wasn't going to write a cozy. So I was like, well, I will write a private eye. And um, I'm from Ohio. So I was just kind of thinking um, where to put it. So I put it on Putin Bay, which is an island in the middle of Lake Erie. And it has a reputation of as a party island. So I could see um, a private eye that we really don't know much about her. And we don't really end up learning much about her personally, which I kind of liked because for my cozies, you know everything about a cozy protagonist from her dog or cat or to her grandma and all that kind of stuff. So it was nice to be a little bit vague. Um, so I chose to put her there because I could just see a private eye just making enough money getting by dealing with petty crimes on Putin Bay because it is such a uh, I've been there a few times and it's a very weird juxtaposition because there's the Perry National Monument to um, the War of 1812. So there's a national park there and then there's all these bars where people celebrate St. Patrick's Day every weekend of the summer. <laughs> so <laughs> um, so the crime itself, she's just solving, you know, a small petty case when she kind of gets pulled into this 20-year-old murder that happened on the island that she's kind of poked into before. Um, and it's makes her curious and she starts poking into it um, only to learn that it has a really surprising twist for her at the end. Mm, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and Rick, tell us about the last resort. Well, um, to start with, I've been writing uh, stories about characters that lived 110 years ago. So I decided to try something contemporary. And uh, right before the pandemic started, I spent uh, some time in uh, Maui, in Kihei, and I just said, and I happened to stay at a resort that was the last resort at the end of the road there. So I figured that was a great way to tie into the story, the last resort. So uh, my story is about a hitman in New York, Walker, premier hitman, and he goes on a hit and he ends up being the target and he escapes to, uh, to Maui and it becomes a cat and mouse game between him and the hit person sent to finish him off. Yeah. And uh, what kind of uh, response have you gotten from that ending? It's interesting because a, a few of the, the uh, reviews that we've had on the book um, have said, uh, I generally don't like endings like this, but I liked this one. So that pleased me. You know, yeah. um, I, I was pleased that, and I just thought that that's how I saw it end in my mind. Awesome. Loved it. And Jennifer, you know, David, how, I, I haven't yes. seen the, I haven't seen the movie because I think it comes out the sixth, but bullet train is along the same line. It's about five assassins on a train that are all supposed to kill each other. <laughs> Brad Pitt's movie. It's coming out the sixth. 
Oh yeah, I saw that trailer. It's it, it's kind it's of based on a Japanese novel. Okay, so and it's I it's thought it was based on Rick's story, but it's not. So. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Yeah, and Jennifer got the title uh, of the book, and I love this. You so unique. Uh, take it away, Jen. Yeah, it's not like anything I'd ever written before, because um, I typically do write like the who done it or the how done it, but I immediately just you know heard the first the the song is so haunting to begin with and you know on a dark desert highway and i immediately saw this young woman rising social media star she's flying down the high you know california coast highway one on her way to just take fame by the horns um she's you know going to be the star of this new tv show she's she's kind of got life she's fleeing honestly because she has had kind of a pedestrian sort of life in northern california and she ends up checking into this quirky she kind of by um kind of runs out of steam and has to pull into this glamorous chateau cambria that is not anything like which is the hotel california it's not anything like she thought it would be inside and um she ends up meeting these kind of uh languishing spirit spirits of dead hollywood like celebrities and actresses and they're all sort of on their long delayed passage between heaven and hell and in the process she's kind of um you know she's wants to be where they were and she gets different pieces of advice and sees weird things and gets a little freaked out tries to escape um has to get some help from a priest who lives up the hill who kind of has his own celebrity past and i won't tell you about the ending but it's sort of uh you know kind of that uh pursuing your dreams and you know where does it all where does it all lead in the end which i think yeah. is what the song is about you know sure. man every time you from that very first note you are instantly isn't it true instantly taken back to where you were when you first heard that song it's one of those few songs i feel personally that just instantly transport you back to that era and uh and it's one of those songs has anyone ever gotten tired of it ever no i'm very tired of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you don't like billy joel either so you know yeah. that's, true. that's true all right here's something i want to do and i do this on the podcast for those who have not heard the thriller zone yet i always close with a question uh, with my author friends and i love to get their best piece of writing advice because so many of the listeners to the podcast are up-and-coming writers, a lot of them seasoned, but a lot of them up-and-coming. And I always love to end with that because I've gotten the best feedback from my listeners and viewers who have come back and said, man, I love that point because they give me an insight that maybe I haven't thought of before. So I want to start with Rick, and I've, I've got my own little uh, circuitous way of doing it, but I want to start with Rick, and Rick's been on the show before, and uh, I do remember some great insights, but uh, as of today, if you were to offer our listeners, what is your best piece of writing advice? Um, I don't know if it's the best, but it's the one that comes to mind, and that is, if you're going to be a writer, write. Keep writing and, you know, and don't get discouraged by any rejection. Just write, write and keep writing. Fair enough. Heather, you're next. I'm, I'm going to agree with uh, what Rick says is if you want to do it, do it. And then for me personally, I like to, to get things down. And of course, somebody is not going to buy you because you put your comma in the right place every time. They're going to buy your book for a great story. 
which doesn't mean you shouldn't remember that after you've gotten all the excitement of your story down that you should go through and try to make sure that you're putting your best foot forward. And I think one of the things that uh, kind of depresses me, I guess, when I hear it is sometimes people say, oh, well, I'm so busy writing. I don't read anymore. It's like, the one thing in common of, of all the people that I know, if they were in music, if they were attorneys, doctors, whatever, everybody got into this because they loved books, because they loved reading. And I think sometimes if you say I'm too busy to read, you're going to forget why you're doing what you're doing. And a lot of a great story is the passion that you get on your passion about and make sure you're putting your absolute best step forward. I got most of that. Everyone else, uh, you, you cut out a little bit at the end, but I do like Ooh, that. No, 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 no worries. It's uh, what happens when you get 400 people on a Zoom call. Um, <laughs> Andrew, let's go to you next. And I want to insert an extra little thought because as I was thinking about you, I've been such a big fan of your brother for so long. And I want to, I want a two-part question. Uh, one is what is your best piece of advice? And I would love to know if, if it's cool, what, what kind of advice Lee handed to you as, as he said, Hey, take this mantle and go with it. Uh, what his insights were. Well, that's, thank you. Yeah, um, my advice is actually to ignore all advice, um, <laughs> because I think that there's a there's a big danger. You know, if I think back to when I was starting out, you know, I think a lot of people have this vision that there's a certain way that you do it. You know, most people have had jobs where you've had training and you've had people, you know, show you what to do or tell you what to do or give you a manual or something. There is no manual. There is no way of, you know. Um, so if you set out thinking that there's this certain thing you've got to do, you've got to use a particular kind of word processing processing program or you've got to start at a particular time of day or write a particular number of words or whatever that is a disaster what you have to do what you've got to remember is that you are the best person in the world at telling your story in fact you're the only person who can tell your story so do not listen to anyone else you know I've, I've had several friends who have been trying to get books published and they've been nervous and they've gone to other people that they know and asked for their opinions and they've got half a dozen different opinions which they've then weaved into the book and then instead of having a distinctive story with their own voice which captivates you and makes you want to keep going you just end up with this mishmash of different different competing conflicting things and it winds up being nothing so ignore everybody else write your own story you're the only person that can do that um, and in fact it there's a, there's a way that that links exactly into what heather was saying in terms of is there a way is there a training course for this well actually the way that you learn to be a writer is that you read and if you're too busy to read then you're too busy to write so you've got to keep going with the writing that is with the reading that is the most important thing of all and then just tell your story the way that you want to tell it because what you what i found over the years talking to people is that a lot of people find the sort of second and third books and so on much more difficult because at that point they're kind of burdened down with this expectation that they are now an author so they've got to they've, they've discovered that there are rules about oh you can't have backstory in the first chapter or you can't have this or you can't have that or you can't start a story a, a chapter with dialogue all of these things that you don't know about when you're first starting especially it's easier for us because we started before there was so much online stuff so you know you you, you just kind of pulled out a piece of paper or a laptop and you got going you didn't google to find out how you did it and discover there were like eight million rules and by the time you try to find a path that 
avoids all of these do not do this do not do that you know you're left with about three words you can use and you know it's a disaster so um just just ignore all of that stuff write the story you want to write and have faith because that's generally the only thing that keeps us going you know um for, for you know there was that thing that it takes um 10 years to become an overnight success you know i remember when it was like 11 years had gone by and then 12 years had gone by and 30, you know i was thinking well <laughs> when when does the overnight success arrive you know and the thing is it might not so you've just got to forget about that tell your story have faith i used to have a sign over my desk that just said blind faith because there is literally nothing else that keeps you going a lot of the time so just you know summon up the belief from somewhere keep reading and keep writing now that's that's my very long-winded way of saying ignore all advice um and in terms of giving no advice really um my brother didn't give me any because um in a way that he, he kind of felt that he didn't need to because in a way it was a sort of super surprising you know bombshell that he dropped on me but another way of looking at it was it was something that we'd actually been working up to for 25 years because when he when he lost his job you know <clears throat> people think of him as the the reacher guy but you know there was a point in time when I was actually the one who was doing well you know I had a good job in telecommunications and he was he was broke he was on the dole and he decided that you know the really sensible way out of this financial catastrophe was to write a book so um, that's what he did and he sent it to me to read when it was still handwritten you know on in pencil on paper and I have never been more nervous about reading a book than reading that book because I'm thinking what if it's terrible right first of all I'm the one who's going to have to tell my brother sorry your book's terrible and secondly what's he going to do for money I'm going to have to send him food parcels or you know <laughs> let him live in my spare bedroom or something but so it was the biggest relief in the world when when the book was great and since then you know for for a quarter of a century whenever we hung out together it was like Reacher was this extra kind of imaginary brother you know we would joke we would say well you know something would happen you'd see some guy doing something stupid in a bar or something you know it would be like oh well what would Reacher do about that you know what would Reacher think about this so you know Reacher was a kind of projection of our kind of you know subconscious fantasy you know call it call it what you will so it was it reaches a kind of shared understanding between us you know that was that was absolutely in place and that was that was rock solid um the bit that was different for me was um was making it sound the same as him because I'd, I'd written all those other books desperately trying not to sound like him so um you know suddenly having to turn on a dime and stop sounding one way and start sounding another way that was the difficult part it was the it was the the, the projection of it that was difficult rather than the kind of underlying part so no he just said do you want to do it okay off you go <laughs> Excellent. I love that. Amanda, you are next. Well, it's a little hard to follow that when he says no <laughs> advice, but um, it was good. I, I have to credit um, a writer friend of mine, Heather Weber. She writes magical realism now, but she used to be in mystery. And when I was like a baby author, like going to my first conference with my first book and all shaky, she uh, befriended me and told me, always be writing something new because you do not know what the publish industry will do. They merged, the lines are canceled. Your series could be canceled out of nowhere. Editors move around. So just be ready to like 
pivot at any time. And I've really taken that to heart. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always have like a stack of proposals ready (laughs) to send to my agent in case, you know, it looks like something is rumbling or something like that. Awesome. Uh, John Circle gets a square. How about you? I think people need to remember that that writing is a craft. Um, there is some talent involved, but ultimately the telling of a story is a craft. And like all crafts, early efforts are not going to be, you know, the first house that a builder builds is not going to be as as strong and, and good as the 50th house that a builder built. Uh, writers need to hone their craft. They need to read a lot. They need to write a lot. And then kind of to, to Andrew's point, then remember that you're writing for yourself. It's your story. It's your name that's going on it. As you get input from others, don't assume that they know more about your story than you do. If you want to seek input, that's great. And you and you process the input. You don't necessarily listen to the input, especially at, at, at the beginning levels where people workshop their stuff with, with people who don't know any more about this business than, than they do. I think the people who have not yet discovered their voice and don't really know what they want to say, they only hear the bad stuff uh, or they, they cling desperately to the good stuff that, that they hear, which is no more valid than the bad stuff that they hear. So I, I think the focus of anything, any, anything in the inter- entertainment business, and that's, that's what we do, I think it's all about the, the writer knowing what he or she wants to say and say it the way they want to say it all the time, honing the craft and, and, and getting better and realize that, you know, rejection is part of this. It's going to take a while in all likelihood before, uh, before you get it right. And then before you find an audience. Yeah. Excellent. Superb. Reed, I can hardly wait to hear what you got to say. (laughs) Well, uh, first be fearless. Uh, the easier said than done, but you have to, you know, we've all done this and it's, it's insane. Uh, and I've known Lee for a long time. And the thought, the fact that he thought writing a book was the way to get out of poverty. Yeah, no doubt. The most insane <laughs> idea you, you've ever heard. Yeah. Um, secondly, there's no such thing as wasted writing, which, uh, you know, piggybacks on what Heather and John have said. Um, I went for my students at Hofstra when I taught there, I added up all the words I had written and it was something like 5 million. And I, you know, I told them now some of that is our grocery lists, but uh, every word you write makes you a better writer. So that, that also piggybacks onto what John said. Um, And that the focus of your writing should be writing, not my marketing plan, not my media platform, not query letters, but the thing that you are writing must be the focus of your writing. And there are other things, the rest of the stuff you have no control over. There's one thing we all have control over, one thing, and that's the words that go on the page. And that's what you should focus on. Superb. Damn. Jennifer, let's hear it. Hmm. Three things. Courage, 
Courage, craft, and curiosity. Um, I spent at least 10 years running from my calling to be a writer. So I think it takes a great amount of courage to make that decision and stick with it. Um, So courage just to like, I think kind of like what Andrew was saying about just having faith and believing that you can do this and that you're meant to do it. And you, you have stories to give to the world that the world needs to, to hear. So getting to that point can take a bit. Um, craft, absolutely important to know your craft. And that takes a bit as well. Um, and then just curiosity, having a curiosity about the world. And I think it's really challenging right now because I truly believe social media, internet is the suffocation, the death smotherer of curiosity. And if if you could just, you know, for a week, turn it all off and just see the world. There's so, I never, people say, what do you do about writer's block? I'm like, what writer's block? <laughs> look around the world, you know, look up off your phone and you will look in your neighborhood. I mean, there's just, just having a, fostering a sense of curiosity, you'll never run dry. Oh, that is so good. I just had that thought inside the last 48 hours when I was spending too much time doing this bullshit. And I'm like, (laughs) man, I got to, I got to take a break. And part of it's hard because you're, you know, we're trying to push the machine forward, but I'm with you, Jen. That's great. And uh, best for last, maybe possibly Don. uh, hmm? David, uh, thanks. Thank you for doing this. This this has been this has been great, and it's it's so nice that everybody shows up and and we get to talk. And we're going to be at uh, some of us are going to be at BoucherCon in uh, Minneapolis, and uh, I hope some of your uh, listeners and viewers will be there as well. And I hope they come up and and say something to us. I, uh, John, you're going to be there. Reed, you're going to be there. Heather, you're going to be there. Rick, uh, who else? Okay. Well, anyway, we've got we've got a nice. We got half the writers will be there. You know, you are the prime example, and these people are the prime example of what I believe that a lot of writers, wannabes, forget this is a business. You know, it's a business. You've made it a business right here, plus your books, and treat it like a business. Uh, Amanda said she has a file of pitch ideas. You know, that is a business approach. Uh, And the thing that people say, well, how did you get, how did you get this, how did you... I networked. I networked. Now, I have not been able to network for three years, but we networked. That's how I met almost every one of these people on your show today. And not only networked, but got to know them on a personal basis. And we share ideas and we share publishing stories. And And John Gilstrap and I had a writer's uh, group that we had for, I think, five years that, that we mm-hmm. Traded. We just got together and traded stories about the good and the bad, and, and it was a very, uh, very small group, and it was a very intimate thing. But it was about the business of writing, and we've got to remember that. And you know who said that years and years and years ago? I was watching people get up and and uh, speak, and James Patterson, you know, love him or hate him, James Patterson got up and he says, "This is a damn business. If you don't treat it like that, it won't treat you well." Nice. David, Very can well I add quickly something to piggy bank on that? That yes, was ma'am. one of the things I was going to mention too, is what you're saying. I love cons. I still go to all kinds of workshops, but the thing about it is, is you, you meet people, you get so much from them. And then the, th- the only thing you have to remember is you can go to all kinds of things. You can learn all kinds of things and you'll have people say things in different ways. And my biggest suggestion on that is 
go to everything you want to, listen to everything you want to, but don't ever let anybody say, this is the way you do it. Listen and take what works for you and, and, and hold on to that and let the other stuff go. But there is nothing like the, um, I think that's one of the things I'm most grateful for in the world um, is the friends that I have all over the country and all over the world. So you, you get to know people and that's one of the best things. You never know when somebody's going to say, Amanda, they want that right now. Get it over there. A friend who happens to know what's going on somewhere else, or I mean, to any of us, um, the, the networking with each other, I think is, is one of the most priceless things we get from what we do. Yeah. I love that. And I love the fact that I, I'm with you, Heather. Uh, I've made so many great friends over these uh, thriller fests and so forth. And, uh, and I love the fact that there's, you know, I came in from a world showbiz competition galore, but there's none of that here. And I, I just, at first I'm like, could this really be happening? But it really is. And the way we all support and lift is superb. By the way, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the thriller zone. You guys, this was the highlight of my week. I, I can honestly say that I so appreciate it. You've had a bad week, huh? David, you're yeah. the best. <laughs> you're the best I, what you David, do. can I say thank, thank you to you, Blackstone? John. Blackstone, every one of these authors, we we said this so many times, we can't believe the support they've given us. We can't believe the materials that they've given us. Blackstone has been fabulous, and we're very excited about uh, the next two projects as well. Yeah. I was going to say, if you want uh, a big thank you to Blackstone Publishing and to learn more, uh, get your copy of your book, uh, Blackstone Publishing. Oh, very nice. Oh, nice. Uh, John is holding up a T-shirt. And you, is that a box? Yes, it is. You got a goodie box. And this oh, is what it came in. Oh, sweet. I didn't get one of those. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> And there's going to be a uh, there's going to be um, a Hotel California surprise at BoucherCon too. Oh yeah! Damn oh yeah! It. I uh, couldn't afford to go to BoucherCon this year because I did Thriller Fest and that thing will <laughs> gobble you up. But but here's the great news: Boucher comes right in my backyard next year, San Diego. So I'll be there front and center. I am. Yeah. Hey David, you know yes. by the way, with a voice like that, you should think about radio. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, I might do that. That and maybe audiobooks. What? <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> all right. I also want to say special thanks to all my guests here today. I'm going to be sharing links below on YouTube channel and on the website. So if you guys will hang out just one quick second as we hang up, uh, before we hang up, I want to add that to also special thanks to, of course, once again, nice folks at Blackstone Publishing where they created just a gorgeous, this is just to have it in your library is worth the price of admission and uh, just such quality in everything you do. But one once again, each and every one of you, great advice, great insights, great stories. I flew through this and I, I can't say thanks enough. Well, thank you, David. Thank it's you. been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Take care, guys. See you guys. Bye. 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 See you. Bye -bye. Good night. How much fun was that? <laughs> oh, God. You know, if someone asked me right now, uh, which of your, which of the short stories was your favorite? That'd be like saying, uh, which one of my children is my favorite? Which one of those pieces of chocolate are my favorite? What's my favorite craft beer? I mean, you know, it's almost impossible. They're all good. And the advice, how about the advice? All solid. 
Thank you so very much to these great folks who stopped by. I mean, Heather, Andrew, John, Reed, Don, Amanda, Jennifer, Rick, some old friends, some new friends, all of which I'm really excited to get to know better. And they all told me off camera after we hung up or after we uh, stopped recording that they would all love to be on the show. So stay tuned for all of those folks to be on future shows of the Thriller Zone. Oh, yeah. My week just got made. <laughs> All right. I'm David Temple, your host, and I will see you next time for another edition of The Thriller Zone. The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.